uh, and uh, and he's the he's the smartest one in the crowd. You know, I, I've met plenty of people who think that they're the smartest one in the room. I think there's a commercial like that, right? You know, uh, be the smartest guy in the room. You know, uh, well, the Lord's the smartest one in every room. Amen. Uh, and if we believe that and we live that way, then he will uh, provide us with that same wisdom and knowledge and intelligence that we need to get things done that can go above and beyond your training and experience and your education. And so we thank the Lord for his goodness. He's he's just so good, you know, and, and you know, I can't tell you how often I mean, I, it's just all the time I tell the Lord, thank you. Uh, I thank him just <clears throat> and, um, you know, even. And I've told you when I was a young child, long before I was saved, I would thank the Lord for things. And, and I didn't know anything about the Lord. I didn't know anything about uh, the Bible or anything about Jesus or the Holy Spirit or sins. Or, you know, I didn't know anything about anything, but I would thank the Lord. And, and I don't know why I did that. You know, somewhere along the way, I had that unction to do that because we're all spirit beings, even if, if, even if we're not saved. And uh, <clears throat> I remember first, second grade, I'd pray and, and thank the Lord for things, you know. And um, uh, and I haven't stopped since then. Amen. And so it's uh, it's of great value to thank the Lord for for everything. You know, uh, just even a day to day, you know, something happens and uh, and maybe something happens and, and I almost trip or something, but I don't trip at all. And I always the Lord, thank you for uh, making my feet like Heinz feet or, you know, I'm about to walk out the door and I remember, you know, oh, don't forget this thing. And I, Lord, thank you for for reminding me to not forget that thing. I, you know, I give him credit for everything. And uh, if it's the smallest thing to the biggest thing, I'm, I'm thanking the Lord for all these things. And it's just a good habit to get into because uh, I don't ever want to say, you know, and sing the song that uh, um, uh, Frank Sinatra sang, right? I did it my way. Well, that's great. But uh, you did it your way, then your way is straight to hell, right? I mean, that's the, the, uh, all of our ways are not going to make it to heaven, right? And uh, I'd much rather say I did it his way because uh, his way is uh, the end of it is the greatest of all blessings and being in his presence for all eternity. And so uh, uh, and and, I, you know, I really believe that, that the Bible is always trying to drive us in that direction, drive us towards uh, depending upon the Lord for all things. Amen. And not depending on our own ability. And so and I think we're actually going to be talking about uh, some of those things on Sunday morning as we go through the Beatitudes. Amen. Uh, and so just a couple of quick announcements. Don't forget we have uh, Ladies Fellowship on, on, um, uh, <clears throat> on Saturday at 11 a.m. here at the church. And uh, bring your snow boots out there. And, you know, if it snows a foot, then bring your sleds and you guys can go sledding out somewhere back there, you know. And, um, but that's sat Saturday 11. Uh, bring finger foods for that here at the church. And then um, uh, it's, nothing's going on sa uh, Sunday, right? But a week from Sunday, Brother Randy will be here with us. So about a week and a half from today, Brother Randy will be with us, right? And so, yeah, Friday. oh, fr I knew there was one other thing, right? It's it's not on my list. See, it's not here. So there, I'm, that means I'm not responsible for saying anything, right? Um, and so, yeah, Friday night prayer service, 7 p.m. Uh, we'll be here and just pray. Amen. Uh, and that'll be a good time to pray because we, we need to make sure we pray uh, for uh, the services with Brother Randy. Uh, and we really need to pray in, in two ways when we pray. Of course, we'll mention this probably Friday, but um, we always need to pray, first of all, that we as the people listening to Brother Randy have our hearts prepared to receive what, he, what the Lord has instructed him to bring, right? Because I, I trust Brother Randy that he will pray. And, you know, he doesn't just 
uh, preached sermon number 65 to Dayton, right? He, he comes and brings whatever the Lord instructs him to bring. Uh, and so, uh, so first of all, Lord, uh, we want to have receptive hearts, amen? And then, uh, Lord, give him the, the boldness to speak exactly what you want him to speak here at the church, because it's, so it's a two-way street, right? It's both us and, uh, and Brother Randy, you know? You know, some people say, well, I've not learned anything. Well, that doesn't mean I haven't taught anything, right? Uh, and so just because somebody doesn't learn doesn't mean something wasn't being taught, amen? Uh, and so, because I've had plenty of people, uh, uh, well, not plenty of people, but I have on occasion people would say, I didn't learn anything from that message and somewhere over here that, cha- that changed my life. Same message, right? Uh, and so, well, why did you not get anything and why did that change their, their life, right? And so, um, <clears throat> so... Uh, on those, I try to be as, as kind as I can without just saying, well, dummy, you know, then you should have listened more. <laughs> and, so, um, and um, you know, you don't want to say that, but, you know, the thought does cross your mind. Well, you know, I mean, uh, we, we read the Bible. How does it, how did you not get anything from the Bible, right? And so, uh, but uh, anyway, praise God. The Lord is good, right? Uh, and so, uh, so Friday night prayer, uh, Saturday morning, um, ladies fellowship, and uh, why don't we pray and we'll get into the word today. So, Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for blessing us each and every day. Father, you live on the inside of us and you reveal and you instruct and you teach. And so, Father, we depend upon your spirit for guidance, Father, and for revelation, for wisdom. Father, you're the great teacher of all things. And so we, we depend upon your spirit, Father, that lives on the inside of each of us, Father. And, and Lord, we choose to have receptive hearts, Father, attentive minds. Uh, and we'll receive that which you desire to speak to us this evening. We thank you for these things, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's open up our Bibles to the book of Philippians, uh, chapter 1. We'll get started today. And, um, you know, Philippians is not a large book. It's only four chapters. And, and um, um, it's, uh, I would say we'll get uh, done with it much quicker than some of the other ones. It's from a doctrinal standpoint, it's not quite as heavy and thick as, say, Ephesians was. Uh, and uh, not that Ephesians was thick, it was just that there was a lot of doctrine, a lot of good doctrine here. And um, the Philippians, uh, the doctrine is uh, uh, not nearly as in-depth as it was, say, in Ephesians, not nearly as in-depth as it was in the book of Romans, of course. Uh, and then uh, if you want to go all the way to some really, really, really good doctrine, you go to the book of Hebrews, right? I mean... We could start on Hebrews, and I, I keep thinking about, well, maybe I need to start on Hebrews. And I think that'll be the last, you know, well, I can't say that would be the last one, but that could be the last book I ever teach on, right? Because I could teach on that for the next 60 years, right? <laughs> and so <laughs> would, uh, there's a lot of, lot of material in the book of Hebrews, right? Uh, and um, it's funny because some people have had told me some theories about the book of Hebrews, and, and they said, well, you know, this is what I believe. And, and it's like, well, that's great, but you just made that up. I mean, that's just... You know, you got no Bible for that, you know, and, and uh, I know sometimes, you know, it's, it's, it's okay to discuss certain topics, you know, that maybe not directly in the Bible, but, um, uh, but you know, if you have an idea of a concept of something that's not necessarily covered in the Bible, you know, this is what I think. You know, that, that's not necessarily wrong. We are intelligent human beings. We can have thoughts and consider things. The thing you've got to be careful of, of, if you don't have Bible for it, you cannot be dogmatic about it. Well, that's the way it is. Well, you have no proof that that's the way it is, you know. Uh, I, I mean, you know, just like there's a lot of theories about what the earth was like before Noah was here, right? Before Noah's time and, and it hadn't rained. So does that mean that there was a canopy on the earth and people didn't see the sun at the time? And was the earth, 
you know, maybe smaller because uh, there was so much water in the air that, it, you know, that the earth wasn't, uh, wasn't full of water and uh, was it on its, not on its, uh, tilted on its axis, you know, because the earth is actually, as it goes around the sun, is actually tilted, right? And so that's why we have seasons. If the earth was, was spinning like a top around the sun, then we wouldn't have seasons. It'd be the same climate year round, right? Uh, but because the earth is on its axis, as it goes around, you know, so at, at this time of year, uh, now we're kind of the, the northern part of the earth is facing the sun during the day. Uh, and so that means that as we get into the summer, then on June the 21st, the, the location on the upper half of the earth, the northern hemisphere, is closest to the sun. Uh, and then when we get to wintertime on December 21st, uh, the southern hemisphere is closest to the sun and we're the furthest from the sun. And so you're only talking, you know, uh, a few hundred miles, you know, uh, tops. I hadn't really done the math on that to figure out exactly how much further it is. But just that amount causes winter storms on one side of the earth and hot blazing summers on the other side of the earth. So, I mean, that shows you how close we are to, I mean, if we were just a, a little further away from the sun, a little closer from the sun, we couldn't survive, right? So the Lord had to place the earth exactly where it's at. Well, there's theories that maybe the earth wasn't tilted during that time and we didn't have any seasons. I mean, that's a potentially true statement, you know? I mean, it's just, it's, it's, you really can't prove it, but, um, you know, it's, it's interesting to talk about and, you know, what, you know, how, could you prove it or could you get some, at least some more evidence that maybe that's the case? And, and they've done some studies and think that that could be the case, but, you know, were we there? We weren't there, you know? And I always think it's funny, especially the evolutionists say, oh, yeah, this is the way it happened. It's like, you weren't there. You don't know, you know. Uh, I read somewhere sometimes somebody said, well, women can see uh, colors better than men. They have more uh, uh, color. Uh, they're called cones in the eyes. I think they're called uh, rods and cones in the eyes that allow them to see better colors, more colors than men can. And that's pretty easy to, to figure out, right? Can you see that color? Yes. Can you see that color? No. And if you do that with enough people, then, then that's a, uh, not an unreasonable thing to, to say, well, that's the case. Okay, that's fine. They can study that. But then they said, well, that's because back in the day, back when we were hunters-gatherers before, you know, we had cities and before there were civilizations and anything, women had to go and, and gather. And so they had to be able to, to see red berries that would poison them more than men would. And I'm like, you just made that up. I mean, you totally made that up. I mean, how do you know? You weren't there. Were, were women the berry pickers or something? I mean, you would say they were, but you don't know they were. I mean, how do you know, right? And was there not any women's lib back then? I mean, I don't know, you know? And so, uh, but, you know, it's funny how people can take this thing and, uh, and then extrapolate into this absolute fact, right, that is, that's the case. And it's like, uh, so just be careful, especially in the area of Bible and doctrine and scriptures, you know, if we've got solid biblical proof, you know, more than one verse, more than a half a verse, right? If we've got solid biblical proof over the whole counsel of God, then, you know, you can be uh, at least somewhat dogmatic about it. Uh, but if you don't have any proof, you know, like did, did Adam have a belly button? Well, we don't really know. I mean, good chance he didn't. But, I mean, you know, maybe the Lord stuck one on money anyway, right? Could have been a sticker for all we know. And uh, But... Uh, but I've seen people just get so adamant about things that there's literally one verse in the Bible about and, and just, you know, um, just uh, be almost upset because you don't really see it the way they see it, right? And so uh, it, it doesn't show uh, good, uh, uh, good um, 
study habits, uh, a, a good reflection as being a student of the word. If you take things that are very rarely mentioned in the Bible and build entire doctrines and, and dogmas about it, you know, uh, how many people uh, will just be spitting mad because of Easter or because of steeples or because of Christmas or because of birthdays or because, you know, things that how many Bible verses are there about any of that stuff? I mean, there's very little Bible verses about any of that stuff, right? But people will just, I mean, they will go on warpath. Uh, and uh, I've had them go on warpath for me more than once about, well, I can't believe you celebrate Easter. I can't believe you don't like chocolate, you know? I mean, you know, which, is there something wrong with you? Do you got a genetic flaw? I mean, who doesn't like chocolate, right? And who doesn't like uh, to see children happy and, and running through the grass fields and, and collecting candy, right? I mean... Uh, well, that's evil. It doesn't look very evil to me. It looks like they're pretty happy to me, you know. In fact, I'm hoping they miss a few so I can go back and get some myself, right? And so, I mean, it's just stuff like that. Just, you know, it, it's, such, it's such a waste of good, of good energy, right, for people to be like that. But there's plenty of people like that. And, uh, and so, well, we're not going to be that way, are we? We're going to follow the Word. And if the Word is adamant and strong about some topic, then we'll be adamant and strong about that topic. But even that, you know... Uh, you know, I believe wholeheartedly that the Lord wants every single Christian without exception to be spirit-filled and speak with other tongues. No exceptions. He desires every single, not, not just desires, He commanded every single Christian to be spirit-filled with the evidence of speaking other tongues. No exceptions. None. And I've had uh, Pentecostal sort of people say, that's not true. You know, God doesn't want everybody. It's not for everybody. Well, who's it for? If it's not, if it's not for everybody, who's it for? I mean... Am I the select few? Am I really special? You know, I mean, I'm not special, but is it just only for certain people? Why wouldn't it be for everybody, right? I mean, that's like saying healing is not for everybody. Of course, the small wars are fought with that. Oh, it's like the blood of, is the blood of Jesus not for everybody? It's for everybody. If the blood of Jesus is for everybody, then everything in the Word of God is for everybody, right? I know we have our individual paths that we follow that's unique to us, but it's not doctrine. It's just, you know, you're supposed to be a carpenter. You're supposed to be a minister. You're supposed to be a doctor. Well, that's, that's, there's no doctrine for those things. That's the will of God for our individual lives. But when it comes to doctrine, it, it's for everybody, right? If he says, walk in peace, is that for everybody or just for certain people? If he say, walk in love, is that for everybody or for certain people? It's for everybody, amen? And small wars are fought in the church all the time that everything in the Bible is not for everybody. Uh, and many people believe that salvation is even not for everybody, that there's a few select elect people that will be saved we don't know who they are. None of us can guarantee that we are that person. We just know that you're not that person, right? And so it's, uh, uh, you know, and that, that's the thing that's it's funny to me is people will, uh, you know, they just, you know, you, you can't know that you're saved, you know. Well, how do you, do you know you're saved? No, you know. But then, of course, then you got other groups of people who, oh, yeah, we're saved. We're part of a small group. Well, well am I? No. Well, how do you know? I mean, how do you know? You know, just like I think it's Jehovah's Witness, or the, right? It's 144,000. You'd think by now, after all these years, they'd already run through their 144,000. I mean, you know, there's a billion Christians or so, at least a billion Christians, maybe two billion Christians in the earth. How do you know you're one of the 144,000? I mean, it seems like that you guys have been going on for a long time. You hadn't run through the 144,000 already? I mean, you know, just, I don't know, you know. I, I don't care enough to study about it, uh, you know. But uh, anyway, people are funny, right? I'm going to stick with the word, amen? Let's stick with the word. And so we're here in uh, Philippians chapter 1, uh, and um, we got down to uh, verse 28, which said, And in nothing terrified by your adversaries, which is to them an evident token of perdition, but to you of salvation and that of God. And so, you know, I choose to be terrified of nothing. One person said of Smith Wigglesworth that he feared God so much that he feared no man. 
And I really, I really like that. And that's a good, a good thought to meditate on, that if we would fear God so much, we would not fear man. And part of the problem in the church, especially in the leadership in the church, is that we fear the face of people, right? We fear, well, if I say this, so-and-so is going to get mad. If I don't do this, so-and-so is going to get mad. If I don't, you know, if I don't treat this person this way, you know, they're going to get mad. And, you know, sometimes they, uh, they, they give extra special treatment to rich people, right? Well, if I don't treat them, you know, give them special seats, you know, they're going to be, they're going to get mad. Well, I think that James actually covers that exact scenario, doesn't he? Don't do that. And so that's something we ought not do, right? Everybody walks in that door, is treated the same, amen? Uh, and so uh, that doesn't mean we, uh, some people have the opinion, well, if you're rich, we're going to treat them bad. Well, uh, you got no Bible for treating rich people bad anymore. You got uh, Bible for treating rich people special. Uh, and, and so if everybody's treated like they're children of the most high God, then we'll be okay, amen? Uh, and so, uh, but the, uh, there's a lot of things that go on in churches because, uh, the leadership is afraid of the people. They're afraid that, it, well, if I don't do this, you know, uh, and um, uh, I've had people come to me and, and imply to me that, you know, they knew something that was going on in somebody's life and I needed to come down hard on that person. And, well, number one, you're not the Holy Ghost, right? You're not the head of the church. I'm not the head of the church. The, the Lord Jesus is the head of the church. And if it's dealing with somebody else other than myself, I go to the Lord, Lord, what do you want me to do? What do you want to do? Because, I mean, I know what the Word says, but the Word doesn't cover every scenario. And, and, and there's only general statements of what to do, right? Well, I'm going to hand them over to the Satan for the destruction of the flesh. Well, if you do it with that anger, you're already out of, out of order because Paul said he did that in tears, uh, with anguish of heart. And if you're handing people over to, to Satan for the destruction of the flesh, you know, like you're just Mr. Sheriff of the body of Christ, then uh, you're, you're already doing it from the wrong heart, Amen. And besides that, he only did that to like three people in the whole, whole New Testament. He talks about dozens of people in the New Testament, many of them that uh, were not kind to him. Only three people did he do that to. And um, I know people run around with that little bullet in their pocket and pull that bullet out all the time. You know, I'm going to hand you over to Satan, you know. Uh, well, okay, fine, you know. And I, I had one person tell me um, years ago when I was with my pastor, I said, well, we put you outside the camp. You remember Miriam, right? When, when she was in sin, they put her outside the camp. Well, we put you outside the camp like Miriam. Um, you know, and of course, I'm not going to argue with a fool, you know. And first of all, like, well, what's that Old Testament? And then, then secondly, you know, I thought, on my other hand, raised, you know, um, where was Jesus crucified? You know where he was crucified? Outside the camp. Oh, so me and Jesus are outside the camp. You're all in the camp, so that means I'm better off than you. Is that right? You know, I, of course, you know. I'm, I'm not going to argue with foolish people, but that's, you know, they say things like that. They put me outside the camp. And I'm thinking, well, she only was outside the camp for a week. You put me outside the camp for a year. So, I mean, and she publicly uh, disrespected Moses, right? Who, who have I publicly disrespected? Well, nobody, of course, but, you know, they, but they put me outside the camp. I put you outside the camp. Praise God, me and Jesus out here would just let us know when the two of us come back in because I ain't coming back in without him, you know. And so <laughs> uh, people are funny, right? So, uh, so I'm not going to be terrified of people. And, and I have found in my personal life that because I don't fear people, it makes people not like me sometimes because I, I just, I'm just not afraid of people. I'm not afraid, uh, I'm not afraid of people in a church. I'm not afraid of other ministers. I'm not afraid of, I'm just not afraid. I'm not afraid, you know, because people will cower down, you know, and, 
Uh, and part of that is, you know, part of that is my personality. Part of that is just the training that the Lord has allowed me to go through over the years and some experiences that uh, I did go through to learn to not fear people because um, uh, I, I'm at a place in my life where I fear the Lord. And I think about standing before him all the time. And if I think about that, who, who could I fear? Who, who could do more from, uh, for me or against me than the Lord? Not that he's going to do anything against me, but if he's unhappy with me, that's serious, right? Now, uh, if, you're not, uh, if you're not happy with me, that not, compared to the Lord, it's not very serious, right? Because that, that's my, my, my bar, right? If you're not happy with me, okay. But if the Lord's not happy with me, see, that's way up here, right? You're not happy with me? Well, you know, that's down here, right? Uh, and even if it's for legitimate cause, it's still... Well, do I not get to repent? Do we? Because some people don't—they don't want you to repent. They just want you to suffer, right? Uh, and um, I remember one guy—he he came back and and uh, he was giving me a what for in the in the, in the sound booth. You know, I can't. You know, you did you. you know. And um, uh, <laughs> I don't know if I've ever told you that particular story, but uh, uh, but he said, you know, you offended me, and you know, you were rude to me, and you know, blah, blah, you know. And I just looked at him and said, well, I apologize. I ask you to forgive me. And he's like, and he didn't know what to do with that, you know, because, you know, I mean, uh, now I didn't do anything wrong, you know, but uh, I still asked him to forgive me because in his heart, you know, I, I just committed the unpardonable sin and whatever it was. And, and um, I mean, the, the, the context of it was, I'll have to give you the context so you can judge for yourself what happened, but uh, he, uh, before that, he had come and asked me to do something for him, just something on the computer and I, and I did it for him, you know, it wasn't a big deal, wasn't a, didn't take a lot of work to do it. And, and he came back and said, I appreciate you doing that. Well, no problem, you know, glad to help, you know. Oh, you're so good to do that. Oh, okay, fine, you know. Oh, you're the most wonderful person in the whole world. And, and of course, after a while, it's just like, you know, once you elevate me above my position in life, above dirt and mud, which is my position in life, I'm made out of dust and clay, right? I'm not worthy to be worshipped. Once you try to elevate me above that position, I shut it down, right? I'm not, I'm not going to respond, I'm not going to, Say, thank you, appreciate that. I already told you thank you. I already told you appreciate that. It was very kind and cordial. Uh, but after that, you know, it's just, I'm going to look at you like a cow at a new gate. Like, what are you talking about? I'm not worthy to be worshipped, you know. And then they got offended because I wouldn't respond, you know. And uh, You know, I gave you a few thank yous and a few okays and, a, you know, for you, glad to do it, you know, but you keep on push, pushing the limit here and I can't, I can't go there, you know. That's not my problem, you know, I can't go there. And so, and they called me and all offended. Well, why, you know, were you mad? I, you know, I didn't mean to make you mad. You didn't make me mad, you know. Well, why, you know, why didn't you? you know, well, I just, you know, didn't respond. Well, how come you didn't respond? Well, I just didn't respond. Well, well you know, how come? I want to know. I said, well, it's because you act like a child, you know. And then, I mean, finally, you know, finally, after them uh, badgering me for an answer, you know, I didn't want to give them an answer. But, you know, <laughs> you know, don't act like a child, you know, grow up. You're a grown man. Act like a grown man. That's what I told him. And, uh, <laughs> and so, uh, and, it is, and, I, and I did it, nah, I, mean, I wasn't mad at him, you know, but uh, uh, then he got all offended at me and, and came, oh, you offended me. Okay, I offended you for, for not being worshipped by you and then telling you to grow up. I mean, after you belligerent me, uh, badgered me for all those things, and you didn't, you know, are you going to apologize for being rude and disrespectful to me or trying to elevate me above the Lord Jesus? I mean, I guess not, but... Uh, and so, but I was really nice about it. I mean, I sound, you know, when I say those things, I try to be as kind as I can. Um, uh, and, um, and so he, you know, just, just take me down the road. You know, you're so, you're so rude and offensive and well, I apologize. You know, I'd ask you to forgive me. And I mean, that's all you can, what else can you do? Right. I mean, 
Uh, and it wasn't good enough. Sometimes people just want to beat you up. And, uh, and you know, when are we going to stop? When are we going to act like Christians, you know? Because if I apologize, and, and, uh, and really biblically there's no requirement to apologize, there is plenty of requirements to repent, right? Uh, and, um, but, you know, years ago I decided I'm going to quit apologizing for things I didn't, I didn't do, you know, but if somebody is offended, I can ask them to forgive me. Uh, and so, uh, and so I did, and it was sincere. I was sincerely asked him to forgive me, but you know, uh, he was just he was just mad, and he left mad. Uh, and um, uh, you know, it's it's and that's in the church. That's, you know, uh, and I know your experiences have been different. You know, my experiences have been unfortunate. You know, for for uh, a great deal of my church time was spent with people who didn't understand how to just walk in love. You know, how to treat each other well and. And I think there was, to me, I think that's good only from the standpoint that I'm very aware of that. I'm very aware of how people treat people. And to me, how we treat each other, because Jesus said, uh, we'll, we'll know you by your fruits, right? Uh, that you're born again because you love the brethren. This is how we know that we have, have received eternal life, that we love the brethren. Well, if I love you, I'm going to treat you with respect. I'm going to treat you with kindness, you know, and even if I've got a uh, be direct to you, I'm still going to say that as kind as I can. I'm not going to be mean about it and hateful about it. Uh, and uh, that doesn't mean that uh, I've got to back down and, and, and not be firm about things. But, um, but see, uh, there's people, uh, he said, in nothing terrified by your adversaries. Uh, people in the church and outside the church, but also inside the church, are, are, are constantly trying to terrify you to get you to yield to them. Uh, and how many times people in a church have, uh, even from the leadership, have threatened hellfire and damnation over the people. If you don't straighten up, you're going to do, you know, uh, I was at a, at a, it was a revival, you know. <laughs> I think maybe they needed to change the name of the service, but uh, they, they, they got up and said, well, you don't go to hell because you don't go to church. Uh, and I thought, well, that's technically it's correct, right? Do you go to hell if you don't go to church? No. Is it a sin if you just, I'm not going to church? Well, it is because Jesus said, don't forsake the assembling yourselves together, right? And the whole, the whole definition of church, the word church uh, uh, and fellowship and things like that means gathering together, right? So we're supposed to gather together as his people, not go home and, and sit by ourselves. And so there's plenty of doctrine to, that implies and that directly states we need to be together, right? And so, but is it, is it, is it a, a, a sin unto death if you don't go to church? Not sin of a spiritual death. I don't, I don't see anywhere in the Bible that's a sin of a spiritual death where you're going to miss heaven and all that. Now, you, won't, uh, you, you will never grow up, clearly, because the Bible says it, it's only through the fivefold ministry gifts that you can be perfected and grown up. Uh, Lord, the Lord Jesus set that up himself in Ephesians chapter 4. But, um, so there, uh, is there, is there any, are there any ramifications or any uh, issues that will arise in your spiritual life if you choose not to attend church? Plenty. Number one is you'll never grow up. You'll never arrive spiritually where you need to be because the Lord Jesus has placed the ministry gifts, not just the pastor, but the fivefold ministry gifts in the church for the perfecting of the saints, right? For the, to cause them to grow up. So that means if you don't go to church, then you can't be perfected, right? Then you can't grow up. It's biblically impossible. And so it doesn't matter who you watch on TV. doesn't matter how much you read. You just can't get there from here, right? And so, uh, so but the fellow then went on and said, uh, you go to hell because you don't love Jesus enough to go to church. Because, I mean, Jesus said in uh, himself, he said, if you love me, do what? Keep my commandments. So that means every time you sin, every single time, 
you've not loved Jesus enough to do what he said. I mean, that's technically correct. But does that mean that you're going to die and go to hell every time that you don't keep every single commandment? I mean, that's pretty tough, right? I mean, has anybody lived a perfect life since they've been saved? I mean, you know, we'll, we can have a prayer for sinners and uh, liars here in just a minute. But, uh, you know, I don't know anybody's, you know, anybody's lived a perfect life since they got saved. I mean, you know, uh, just like I said, uh, uh, you've laid out of church, you know, and just didn't, you know, didn't go to church, you know. I had one, tell, one, one fellow tell me, because uh, I, I asked him where he went to church, and he said, well, I don't go to church anymore. The Lord said, don't go to church anywhere in particular. He said, uh, if I want you to go to church, I'll tell you where to go on Sunday morning. Otherwise, stay at home and read. Well, that's really funny that the head of the church who established this body right here, right, like he did all the, bo- all the bodies of, of churches that, that declare his name, right, that he, although he established this, he gave that guy over there a special deal. All you all need to go to church except for that guy, right? And so, well, how's that guy get that deal, right? I mean, is there a book, chapter, verse? He got that deal in it, but everybody else has to follow the same, the same word of God. So, you know, and I just thought, liar, he didn't tell you that. You know, I didn't tell him he was lying, but he was lying. The Lord didn't tell him that. Uh, and so, because the Lord would have to violate his word in order to tell him that deal, wouldn't he? And the Lord's never violated his word. So, uh, but there are plenty of people in the church trying to terrify us to, uh, to really to yield. And that's really from been my experiences because I won't yield and people try to terrify me to yield to them. I just, there's my makeup. If you're not following the word, I cannot follow you. I don't care what your name is, what your title is, how long you've breathed air on the earth. I cannot follow you. If you're not following the word, I cannot follow you. Uh, and, and that doesn't mean I can't follow you in some areas that you are doing the word, but and if you're not, I cannot do it. I just, I just, I, and I won't do it. Uh, and I don't care, you know, uh, how many people I make unhappy. And I'm not trying to make anybody unhappy, but it's been my experience that if, if, if you will stand your ground and not be a, um, uh, someone who just lines up and does everything they're told, uh, you know, we call them a yes man, right? Uh, then um, uh, you will have adversaries. People will be your adversary. Now, I don't have any adversaries, but there are plenty of people who are my adversary. Uh, and, um, uh, and I just choose not to be terrified of them because they're human beings, right? Uh, and plenty of ministers have tried to berate people, you know, to get volunteers. You know, well, if you don't help out, you know, you're a sorry excuse for a human being. You know, you could just say, please, right? Please come. And if they don't come, well, leave that between them and the Lord, right? Uh, we all better give, you know, because if we don't, we're going to go under. Well, I mean... Can't you just say we're going to receive an offering for the for the Lord Jesus and and then leave it at that? And if they choose not to give, can't that stay between them and the Lord? I mean, you know, now if the Lord says something about it, maybe, you know, but uh, um, I know one time uh, Brother Hagin was saying that uh, he was at some service and um, uh, the service was going great and they were having lots of people, lots of extra people come. And, and the deal was that um, on certain nights when they received the offering that he received 100 percent of the offering. Uh, those nights, right? Whatever the nights are, and, and it was it was it was common for churches with because he he'd be at a church for three or four weeks, sometimes seven, eight, nine weeks, right? Can you imagine every day having a service for eight or nine weeks? You know, uh, that'd be awesome, wouldn't it? Right? Uh, and so, so the deal was, you know, uh, on these nights like Tuesdays and Thursdays or whatever it was, you received you know the offering. Well, the problem was they were having so many people they were getting huge offerings, and so one of the elders said, well, we can't give him all that money. I know that's what we told them, but we can't give them all that money. You know, we're going to keep, we're going to, church is going to keep half of it. Well, that was the elder on the elder board, right, that was doing that. 
Well, that's just pretty low rent, right? If that was the deal, that's the deal, right? Well, that's too much money. What's it even mean it's too much money, right? I mean, you were okay with it when it was a little money, you know, but, um, and so, of course, the pastor didn't tell him that, right? You know, that, I mean, you know, he was hoping that it would get worked out. Well, in the, in the middle of service, Brother Hagin's preaching, and, and, and um, he just jumps off the stage, runs down, and finds a seat next to this one fella, and looks at him and said, he said, uh, do you believe they're trying, to, uh, they're trying to steal my offering? Do you believe that? You know, the people are trying to steal my offering. And he got up and went back to the stage, and that was the fellow who came up with that idea. You know, let's, let's take half his offering, you know. And so uh, <laughs> I thought that was pretty funny. Um, so uh, there are people who will be your adversaries in the church. It's unfortunate, but they are, right? Uh, and, uh, I mean, Paul already talked about how there are those who are preaching the Lord Jesus, you know, out of spite. You know, uh, I mean, can you imagine that? That's just hard. Uh, that, that's just one of the hardest things for me to understand. You know, I mean, the world doesn't bother me a bit. The sin that the world's doing doesn't bother me. I don't lay awake at night and, you know, lose sleep over it or anything. I don't lay, lay awake at night sleep, lose sleep over anything, really. But, uh, but the things that are the hardest for me to understand, to comprehend, is people who say, I love the Lord Jesus. I, I accepted the Lord Jesus. And then act like the devil. I mean, I don't mean just, you know, having a bad day. I mean, just conniving and adversaries and ruthless and mean and hateful. And I've come across so many people who profess the Lord Jesus and will raise their hands and declare, I love you, God, on Sunday morning and Sunday, Sunday, speak in other tongues. And, and my observation is I've seen that way more in the charismatic church than I did, than I have in any of my friends that are denominational people, right? Now, I'm sure there are people in denominational churches that are, can be mean and ornery like that, you know, just uh, get a a good Baptist pastor to go against the elder board, right, or the deacon board, right? I mean, there'd be wars in, in no time, right? Uh, and so, but there are, there, are, there are adversaries, and we will not be terrified, amen? I will not be terrified of anybody who walks in that door uh, uh, and, um, uh, and doesn't, doesn't hook up with us. Of course, we had gone on, talked about uh, being in one mind, right? In the previous verse, striving together, right? Uh, and that's, that's, the, that's the Lord's desire for every church is that we as a church body strive together in unity. Because in unity, there's nothing that can be withheld from any church. It doesn't matter how big or small it is. If a church is in unity, and that doesn't mean that we're all drinking Kool-Aid. It just means I have seen the word and I'm going to do the word. And the word that the pastor's teaching, you know, whatever it is, you know, this church, we, we primarily focus on faith and overcoming, right, and living a, a lives that's pleasing to the Lord. Other churches may focus on, on end-time events or missions or, you know, and i got no problem with that. But, uh, but if you can hook up with what we're doing here, uh, then it, it uh, and we, we, we talked about the anointing a, a few months ago. And one of the things about the anointing that's, that's helpful to know is the more that you hook up with the anointing uh, that the Lord has given to me as, as the minister, right? So if Brother Randy's here, you should hook up with him who's ever preaching, but, you know, I do the majority of preaching here. But the more that you can hook up with that anointing, and not me personally, but the, but the revelation the Lord has given to me to, to give to you all, and allow that to change your life and accept that and draw on that. Lord, that's, you know, I need that. I need that, I need that revelation. The, the more that the Lord uh, will connect with that, the stronger that anointing gets. Uh, and, you know, there, there are times when people don't want the anointing, and you can tell. Right. You can tell when when there's pushback, you know, you get on certain topics and and, you know, I can tell, you know, on occasion I'll say something and 
and I'll lose the crowd, right? Sometimes everybody, you know, and I have to back up and go, well, Lord, you know, because sometimes, you know, I can miss it and kind of get out, out maybe off there. Or sometimes the Lord wants to say it anyway, and, and maybe it's hard for people to accept, but if it's the Lord, it's the Lord, right? But the more that we can hook up with that, uh, again, not receiving it just because I said it, right? Our job as Christians is to receive it if it's in the Word of God. Uh, and that's the balance, right? So the balance is, is it in the Word? Yes, then we receive it, and we receive it with gladness. Uh, and so, and that's how we develop and build up a unity in our, in our hearts. You know, Lord, what revelation are you going to give to us today? How are you going to speak to me today? Uh, and uh, in that unity, then there's, there's, great, uh, there's great blessings. Amen. Uh, and he says, um, and then, then uh, in, in verse uh, 29, of course, we just, he just talked about um, the adversaries in 28, but in verse 29, he says, For unto you it is given in the behalf of Christ not only to believe on him, well, don't we love to believe on him? Uh, so it's given to you to believe on him, but also to suffer for his sake. We're not big fans of that second part of that verse, are we, right? You ever suffered for the sake of the Lord Jesus? You know, I mean, if you've ever been, uh, uh, ever been shunned or, you know, talked about or, you know, in, in our society, our suffering is, is pretty tame compared to, uh, you ever read Fox's Book of Martyrs? You should read Fox's Book of Martyrs. You know, it was this fellow named Fox, right, that, uh, uh, that wrote the history of the church in the early, you know, like in the dark age, on the thousands of years ago, right? Like the 1500s, something like that, uh, maybe even earlier than that. And he just went through a lot of cases where people were martyred, killed for the sake of the gospel. And they would just do horrible, now, uh, they would uh, like, like skin them alive, right? And put them in boiling oil as they were skinned alive, right? And just, I mean, take, uh, they, they would scalp them, right? Take their hair off the, all the head, right? And, and then, I mean, just... Uh, Time up to four horses and then say go right. I mean just hor- I mean just things you just like can't even imagine. And I was reading that one day and and just I got about halfway through it and it's a hard book to read uh, uh, about halfway through it. And, and and the Lord just kind of prompted me like who's doing all this? And I didn't really thought about it, but it was the church. All these people were martyred by the church, right? By people in the church who thought they were more spiritual than the people they were martyring, which is just amazing. I mean you think. I mean, today, you know, we, we you know, get our feelings hurt because somebody was, you know, well, they didn't speak to me, you know. In fact, I had one person go to my pastor years ago. said, Chip Brother's not speaking to me. He's avoiding me, you know. And I'm thinking, <laughs> and the pastor came to me, are you avoiding so-and-so? And I'm thinking, first of all, why is he so childish that, uh, that he would go and rat on me to the pastor, right? Don't come rat on me to somebody else. You go work it out. You're adults, right? Aren't we all adults? Then let's all act like adults, right? But uh, it weren't bad. And, 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 and look, I was in the sound booth. So you know what I did? I had responsibility. So I'd, we do greeting just like we do here. I'd get out of the sound booth. I'd come down this aisle. I'd go around the front here. I'd go, you know, go down that aisle, and I'd go back to the sound booth. That was my every Sunday. I mean, twice a Sunday, once on Wednesdays, down this aisle, across this way, down that aisle, back to the sound booth because I wanted to be there whenever he picked up the microphone that the microphone was ready. Uh, and that was my deal. I mean, thousands of times I did that, right? Because that's, you know, Three times a week times, uh, that's times uh, 52 weeks out of the year. That's 156 times a year, right? Uh, and then I did that for nearly 20 years. So that's thousands of times, right? I probably didn't do it every single time, obviously. But I still did it hundreds and hundreds of times, probably thousands of times. Well, all you got to do, if you just go down this aisle and go this way and go that way, you're going to trip over me three times, right? And so how could you miss me? He said, for a year I was avoiding him. 
I wasn't avoiding him. No, not a single. I never even thought about him, right? And I'm, I never get out and say, where's he at? Oh, there he is. I'm going to go. I mean, you know, I'm not three years old. I did that when I was in kindergarten, right? Oh, there he is. I'm not, taking, I'm not talking to you, you know? Uh, and so <laughs> uh, it, it's uh, 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 suffer for his sake. So, I mean, that's, that is, uh, that I can't get any smaller suffering than that, but that's a little bit of suffering, right? Uh, uh, and so I don't want to make light of that because, uh, you know, suffering emotional trauma can be devastating. And when people are unkind to you, they haven't shot you or ripped a leg off or, you know, anything horrible like they did in Fox's Book of Martyrs. But, you know, they can be emotionally traumatic to you, right? Uh, now, there's a balance there. We don't want to be snow, uh, snowflakes, right? I mean, these cupcakes today, you just look at them wrong and they go cry. I mean, you're, you're crying over that? I mean, really? I'd even try to be mean to you, you know? And, and um, uh, <laughs> I had... Uh, one person years ago, uh, they they came they came to me and because um, uh, we got to look at First uh, Corinthians uh, thirteen here in just a second in relation to that. Uh, in, in fact, I think it'd be good to uh, I want to read two verses and then we'll, we'll talk about the story of the person who came to me after a couple of years. But um, Timothy Second Timothy three twelve says, "Yea, and all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall shall suffer persecution." So how many? that live godly will suffer persecution? Second uh, uh, Timothy 3.12 Yea, and all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. So are any of us exempt from that? No, none of us exempt from that. So if you live godly, what are people going to do? They're going to persecute you, right? Now, does he say, Yea, and all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall, shall suffer persecution from those who are outside the church doesn't say that does it you will suffer persecution from people inside the church you will suffer persecution from people outside the church amen how many people that uh, find out that oh you 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 guys speak in other tongues i mean that's a minor persecution but it's still persecution right uh and so uh so are we going to be persecuted and and what i and, and what he says is they that will live godly Right. So it's not just, you know, every Christian doesn't suffer persecution. Right. It's only the ones that are living godly or living like God uh, lives. Right. Uh, so not just because you got born again, you're going to suffer persecution. I mean, a lot of carnal Christians who act like the world, talk like the world, you know, live like the world. Well, nobody ever bothers me if you're not living godly. He said you, there's a requirement, you know, and it's not because it's not the Lord doing that. Is the Lord causing this persecution to come your way because you're living godly? No, it's because the devil hates people that live godly, right? And so he will, he will motivate people, sometimes Christians, to, to treat you poorly, right? Uh, so how many of us will this come to? All of us. And it's been my observation that the more that you walk by faith, which means you're going to walk godly, but, uh, but it, seems, it seems especially true that the more that you walk by faith, God's my healer. God's my pro prosperity. God is my deliverer. God is my shield, my buckler. He's, he's my high tower. I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me. You know, greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. That's all living by faith. I cannot be defeated. I cannot be overcome. You know, I say things like that all the time. People hate that. They, it bothers them when you talk like that. Well, who do you think you are? I think I'm a child of the living God. Who do you think you are? You know, well, I'm nobody. Well, Last time I checked, I'm somebody, right? A king died for me. Who died for you, right? Uh, and so 
Uh, and, you know, sometimes you're going to have to say that with a little attitude, right? You know, I'm a child of the living God. And so, but there's a balance in that because sometimes uh, we will live our lives in such a way to avoid all persecution. So we'll compromise, we'll yield, you know, oh, I'm sorry, I, you, know, I, you know, I'm sorry, you know, and just be real uh, 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 weak in our, in our spiritual walk, right? Uh, always trying to appease uh, the evil people. Uh, and um, yeah, I understand sometimes it's necessary to repent, right? If you do wrong, you should repent. Uh, no doubt about that. But you should never have to repent for doing right. Amen? And some people will get mad at you for doing right. Some people in the church will get mad at you for believing in the healing. Uh, well, I mean, I, I saw it one, it was this one Christian singer, and um, they got up so mad. Oh, you people believe in healing, you know? You're so wrong. And it turns out that they had lost a child, you know. And, and wouldn't that be one of the hardest things in the world to ever experience is losing a child? It'd be a, a horrible experience to have to deal with, right? Uh, and yet, uh, was it God's fault that God murdered that child? No, God didn't murder that child. He didn't kill that child. Uh, and um, I, I was listening about this one, one pastor. He went to Brother Hagin's school. And, and, you know, you go to Brother Hagin's school, you hear faith when you come in, you hear faith when you go out. And you hear faith everything in between. But they got out of school and uh, uh, everything was fine. But then after a while, all that faith stuff is not true. All that faith stuff is, is not, not, not for us today. And it turns out they lost a child. Uh, and, and, and just mad about it, right? Uh, and, um, uh, 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 and I usually can't watch much of that, but I was watching this one fella because uh, uh, something about the title uh, piqued my interest. And he was talking about how uh, all you fanatical people who believe in healing. Uh, and, but, the, but it was one of the most slick productions. You know, the guy was, he had all the right clothes on, had the perfect lighting and the perfect sound, the perfect audio, you know, and very casual looking, but he was very clean cut, you know. And, uh, and so somebody that you would kind of, oh yeah, this guy, he really knows what he's talking about. But he's just completely yielded to the devil, right? All the people believe in healing. You know, God doesn't do that anymore. You know, he stopped doing that because there was no need for it anymore. And just, uh, but, but he says it in such a slick production that, that people, oh, yeah, you're right, you're right. You know, and people who believe in that stuff, they're fanatics. You know, they're, they're, they're crazy people. They roll around on the ground and foam with the mouth and jump over pews. And, you know, I mean, maybe they need to jump over a few pews. I don't know. But, um, uh, but you will be persecuted. If you're going to live godly, you know, God-like, if you live like God, well, how does God live without, he, without sickness and disease, without poverty, without lack, without uh, condemnation, without, you know, uh, he, he doesn't run himself down, I'm worthy, I'm no count, you know. Uh, that's not how he lives. He lives like a king, doesn't he? Amen. Uh, yea, all that will live godly in Christ Jesus. So uh, I, I can't compromise to avoid persecution, right? Uh, if uh, What kind of church you, you, you in fact, just the other day, Fellow said, uh, "I'm going to come visit your church." I said, "Great, we love the Lord. We, we, you know, we're charismatic Pentecostals. We do it all, you know." And he's like, "Oh," <laughs> and I'm like, "Well, come on, you know." Uh, but um, is it, does it bother me? I don't, you know. I'd much rather tell him then than when he gets here and go, "Well, you know." I had one one friend said, "Hey, can I come visit your church?" And oh yeah, no problem, you know. And I guess he didn't know. I thought he, I thought he knew. And then, you know, I preached something about the devil that particular day, you know, and they got up and left me. I mean, like, they were gone. They never talked to me again after that, you know. And, and it's like, but nothing, I, I did, everything I did, 
Red was out of the Bible, literally out of the Bible, right? And they, and they just, I don't, they couldn't leave fast enough. And like, I'm sorry, you know, I'm not going to quit. You know, we need, don't we need to have some teaching about the devil? I mean, that's not all we talk about, but I mean, if you talk about it, you've got to talk about it sometime, right? And so, so am I going to avoid certain topics because uh, people aren't going to like it, you know? I mean, uh, that would be foolish. If the Lord says, talk about the devil, then you know how I'm going to talk about I'm going to talk about the devil, you know? And so, uh, so we don't need a compromise to avoid persecution. If, if you're not careful, it's easy to do because you don't want to lose friendships. You don't want people mad at you. You don't want people thinking that, well, you know, I'm not on the in crowd, right? Uh, and um, uh, again, if we go back to what they said about Smith, that he feared God so much he didn't fear man, uh, you know, I just, you get to where you don't fear anybody, right? It doesn't mean you've got to be rude about things because I'm not a rude person, but, um, but then there are other people who will intentionally do things to get persecuted. You ever seen people that would do that? You know, it's just the way they talk and, you know, they'll go out and just in the, you know, having a conversation with somebody, they'll just start speaking in tongues, you know, just whatever to prove how spiritual they are, just... You know, just things, you know, like that, that to intentionally inflict, you know, uh, con- uh, to, to create conflict, right? Uh, and, and then like, oh, I'm such a martyr. You know, I, you know if, if you're looking for persecution, you're out of order. Amen. We don't look for it. We don't run from it. Uh, it just is, right? Uh, and so we find the balance. And I'm not concerned about persecution. I'm not, it's not my thought life. I don't dwell on it uh, all the time. I'm always moving forward, right? Lord, whatever you want me to do, that's what we're going to do, right? Uh, and so uh, in 1 Corinthians chapter 13 and verse 5, I wanted to read that uh, in the Amplified Bible. Uh, and it's talking about love, right? And, and, uh, and of course, uh, I don't know if we still have them, but we have some printouts in the Amplified Bible from 1 Corinthians 13, 5 through 8. Uh, but it says in verse 5 that love is not conceited, arrogant, and inflated with pride. It is not rude, unmannerly, and does not act unbecomingly. Well, you could dwell on that right there for a long time, right? Uh, does love act like any of this stuff? Arrogant, inflated with pride. It is not rude. How many rude Christians do you know? Unmanly. How many unmanly Christians do you know? Does not act unbecomingly, right? Uh, and it says, love, God's love in us does not insist on its own rights or its own way, for it is not self-seeking. It is not touchy. We could preach on that for a long time right there. Touch Anybody touchy? I can't believe you said that. Read it again. It is not touchy <laughs> or, revent, or fretful or resentful. Uh, it takes no account of the evil done to it. It pays no attention to a suffered wrong. And that's how we overcome persecution right there it is by love. Uh, it takes no account of the evil done to it. We don't, we don't uh, return evil for evil. Uh, we don't wish evil upon them. We walk in love. It takes no account of the evil done to No account. So how many things should you remember that people have done to you? Well, uh, and, and here's the way to know, uh, because you hear all my stories, right? You hear the stories of how I talk about, you know, somebody doing something to me, saying something unkind to me. Uh, but does it ever feel like I'm mad at them? Does it sound like, you know, I'm bitter towards them? Because I'm not, you know, they're, to me, they're amazing stories like who actually treat, who acts like that, right? Well, people I've met have acted that way, right? Uh, but it's not an account. It's not in my account, right? It's, it's no more real to me than reading about it in the paper. Oh, yeah, that happened. I can't believe that happened, right? Um, it pays no attention to a suffered wrong because you can't, I mean, you can't take your thoughts and just delete them, right? They're there, right? They're, they're, they're your memories. They happen. Those events occurred. But what you gotta, you got to make sure is that, because uh, you've ever, you ever thought about something that happened 50 years ago and it's still like, 
if I saw them today, I would just, you know. Well, see, then you're taking account of the wrong supper. Right? That wrong is just as real to you as it was when it happened. Uh, and, you know, sometimes think, people think that time and distance equals uh, walking in love. Uh, but that's not really true. You shouldn't, you shouldn't just wait. It's going to take me a while to get over it. So that, that's not really walking in love. That's just uh, getting to where that memory is not as fresh as memories today. But if you saw that person, what would you do? You know, I saw somebody just the other day that treated me very poorly. You know, it was very rude and unkind to me here at the church. Hey, how's it going? You know, you doing all right? And that little man wasn't down here. You know, the little man I'm talking about, you see someone in, in that, you, know, you just feel that <laughs> twisting in your stomach when you see somebody that, you know, that uh, you've taken account of a wrong suffered. Uh, and you put on the happy face, but inside you're like, where's their car? I'm going to slice your tires, you know. I mean, I'm going to watch where they're, you know. I go, put sugar in their t- gas tank, right? I'm going to say bad things about their cat or whatever, you know. You just you start thinking of all the things you could do to them, you know, and well, it's, so it's good to sometimes see people like that, right? It's good to sometimes be people that were your adversaries to see how you and your heart respond, right? Is there any ill will in your heart towards them, right? doesn't mean you've got to enjoy talking to them. I don't enjoy talking to prideful people, Pharisees, you know. Uh, but I'm not going to have, uh, I'm going to be kind to them and be polite to them and, and um, make sure that as far as I'm concerned that there's no account uh, on my side of things they've done to me. Uh, and the, the way that I do that, uh, if people do things to me, the first thing I do is in my prayer time, I say, Lord, I ask you to forgive them on my behalf. Uh, because he said you could do that, right? Pray for others to, for, for their forgiveness, right? Uh, over in 1 John chapter 5, the Lord, I ask you to forgive them. Uh, and, and I say, Lord, please don't hold anything uh, in their account that they've done against me. If it's anything they've done against me, I ask you to wipe it clean from their account. Uh, and so that way, they're not guilty for it. Now, I can't pray that prayer necessarily that they've done things to other people. That's between them and the Lord, right? But for me, if they've done it to me, Lord, uh, wipe their account clean. I don't want anything that they've done to me to be held against their account. Uh, and so if the Lord's not going to do that, see, then I cannot do that. Because a lot of people are like, Lord, get them. Well, see, you're holding it an account. You've got an account with their name on it. And you want the Lord to, to, to satisfy that account. That's not his job, and that's not your job, right? Love takes no account of an evil done to it. No account. Amen? Uh, and, and people used to think that Brother Hagin had a, had a character flaw. Well, he never responds to nobody. Uh, and he wouldn't. You know, people would, I mean, people said the worst things about Brother Hagin. And I never have understood that because he, you know, he wasn't the super flamboyant, you know, long hair shirt untucked, you know, bu- you know, buttons unbuttoned, you know, wild, you know, uh, prophesying everything crazy in the world. He was just kind of a line upon line preacher and teacher, you know, and he was a great prophet of God too. And he spoke with great revelation, but I never ever understood why they hated him so much. I mean, I know why, because of the revelation he gave, but he was never, he never did anything that was so flamboyant and just, you know what I'm saying? Just, uh, I never have understood that. Uh, and, but people would say evil things about him and he would, he would respond with nothing. He wouldn't even act like he'd act like nothing happened because, and because he said this is what he does, and and I really learned that from him. In fact, I was listening to his, a tape of his cassette tape of his many many years ago, and he said I, I never have an evil thought about anybody. And you know I had an evil thought about him for saying that he had no evil thoughts about anybody. You know because I think who does that? Who lives that way? Because that's not the way I was raised. I was raised. If you do something to me, you're on the list. And you'll be dead before you're off the list. 
you know, I mean, you're on, I'm the mafia, right? And I will make a list, and, and if you're on the list, it's over, you know. You know, you're dead to me. And that's the way I was raised. And, uh, and it took a long time in, as, in a Christian walk to not live that way because uh, I, I had to burn up all my list and pencils and, and uh, paper that, that I made the lists with. Now, I don't have any lists. You know, you do something wrong to me, I'm, I'm in prayer. Soon, I mean, soon as, I can get, soon as you get done talking, I'm praying. Lord, let, don't give any account to what they've done to me. Take it off their account. And, and see, when I do that, see, then I, then I get to take no account for it. Uh, and, and I learned that really from Brother Hagin uh, because I think he walked in love more than anybody I know. Some of the stories he tells are just amazing. Uh, and, th- and this is, the, is this the commandment? I, I, I got some revelation about it from Brother Hagin, but it's the commandment, right? It takes no account of an evil done to it. It, takes, it pays no attention to a suffered wrong. And, and so back to my story I was going to tell the other day, I had or, or earlier today, it's not been a whole day yet, though, has it? It's just been a few minutes, right? Uh, but someone came to me and, and they said, uh, I need to apologize to you. I'm like, okay, all right, fine. And um, what for, right? Because it's pretty rare. I mean, I've had some people do the worst, I mean, the worst things to me. Never apologize, never repent. You know, I mean, it's like, how can you get by in life, right? Not in, I mean, it's one thing just, you know, bumping into somebody, you know, and forgetting to say, excuse me, you know, but when you, you know, just stand up publicly and say the worst things about somebody that were complete fabrications and lies and never repent for that, I, I never have understood that. But, uh, but I, I don't know how you get to that first step to begin with, right? And so, but anyway, I need to apologize. You know, well, okay, fine. Well, you remember two years ago we were having a conversation? Yeah, yeah. And, and, and they said, well, nobody cares about me. Well, yeah, I actually remember that conversation. She said, yeah, I was talking about you. <laughs> and, and I remember the conversation because what I remember in the conversation, they said, well, nobody cares about me. And as soon as they said that, immediately in my heart, I thought, well, you can't be talking about me because I'm sitting there talking to them and I care about them enough to talk to them. And so obviously not talking about me, right? So I was taking no account of a suffered wrong, even though they intentionally said that, to harm me, right? To tell me that, that you know, they weren't man enough to say, you don't care about me. They said, nobody cares about me. Well, if you're going to be rude to somebody, at least be man enough about it to point your finger at them, right? I mean, you know, don't, don't wrap it up in a pretty bow and, and make a, a, you know, uh, a pretty lie out of it. Uh, and, say, and so and they said that, you know, nobody cares about me. Uh, and, they, and they were, and I want to apologize because I said that about you and, I, and I've been mad at you this whole time. Okay, never thought you were talking about me. <laughs> and they kind of, you know, uh, I don't know if they got out of sorts about it, but I don't really think it made them really happy that I hadn't thought about it a second since that conversation happened, right? Uh, and, and it's a good way to be because, you know, if somebody, unless somebody says, you, you know, you're doing this and you're doing that, unless somebody just actually accuses me to my face that I've done something, I assume that they're not talking about me because I know if I did it or not, and, and I do my best not to actually do anything like that, and I hadn't, I didn't, you know, I talked to them, checked on them every now and then, right? So, I mean, I don't know what they mean by not care about them, right? But, you know, I guess everybody's got their opinions. But, um, uh, and so, see, that's, that's taking no thought for a, a suffered wrong. Uh, and, and I'll tell you, you got time for one more story and, and then we'll go. Um, so uh, this was, um, uh, so I was with, with my pastor and and one of the failings that my pastor had, you know, and of course, you know, I loved him dearly and still love him and look forward to seeing him someday. But he, he had, if he asked you to do something, if he asked you for a, a question, right, he asked you a question about something. Hey, what do you think about this? 
And, well, he already had an answer in his heart about what it should be. And if you gave an answer that was different than his, he didn't like it. Well, the problem with that is then don't ask people's opinion, right? Because if I ask your opinion, I want your opinion. Even if I disagree with it, I still want your opinion because uh, just like uh, I, I took a poll yesterday from my family. I said, okay, I'm working on this light switch. You know, who wants two switches instead of one? Well, everybody said two. Everybody said two. And I said, sounds good. We're doing one. Uh, and so <laughs> I'm really going to do two, but, you know, it was funny to say I'm going to do one because everybody said two. And I thought, well, you're all, all you're wrong. Every one of you wrong. Everyone, they're all wrong. Uh, and so, but he didn't like it if you gave him a, an opinion that was different than, than what he had already decided, which, you know, now the, he's under no obligation to yield to my opinion, obviously, right? He's the pastor. He can do what he wants to, you know, but if he asked my opinion, it seems like he should get my opinion because he already knows his opinion. I already know what I want, so if I ask you what you think, you know, whatever you want, Pastor, well, I already know what I want. I want your opinion because you have some insight of some things that I don't know. you got the Holy Ghost, don't you? So you may have some opinions that would be of value to me. So, uh, and I do that. I ask people's opinions about stuff all the time. Hey, what do you think about this, you know? Uh, and so, so he said, hey, I want you to um, go through the books of the church and see if everything's okay. And I, I don't want to do that. Not because I couldn't do it. Not because I, you know, I didn't want to be a blessing to the church, but because that's a landmine, right? I mean, if I do something wrong, I'm shot, you know, and then skewered and put on the front of the church and, you know, talked about. I don't want to, you know, that's what happens at my church. You know, around here, if I ask you to do something, that's not going to happen. If you burn it to the ground and do it all wrong and be like, okay, well, we'll just do it better next time, right? And so, uh, but uh, with my pastor, it was, you know, that's, that was tough, right? Uh, uh, there was a time when he said, uh, 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 he wanted some spiritual leaders because he didn't want to call them elders because he hated elders, you know, or didn't hate elders, but he, didn't, he hated the thought of having elders. So instead of he had spiritual leaders, which was exactly the same as elders, but he didn't want to call them elders. And so, because he had, he'd had bad, bad experiences with elders. And so you know, on a Wednesday night, he said, uh, Chip, you want, to be an el- you want to be a spiritual leader? I'm in the sound booth, you know, and, and I'm thinking, no. I mean, because I, I saw what happened to all the other spiritual leaders and elders in the church. They all shot and broke their kneecaps and buried out in the backyard somewhere, you know, not literally, but figuratively, right? Sometimes publicly. And, and I saw all that, you know. In fact, uh, I got to pinch my other story, but I, I remember when I was in a sound booth one time uh, and, you know, I hadn't been in a sound booth maybe for a few years, you know, and I wasn't in any leadership position in the church, but, you know, I believe someday I would be there. Uh, but I was talking to the Lord one day and I said, Lord, everybody that's ever a spiritual leader in this church gets shot. You know, how do I avoid that? How do I avoid getting on that list? That's what I asked the Lord. How do I avoid, because I don't want to be on a list. You want to be on a list? I don't, you know, I don't have any lists around here, but, you know, I knew there was a list. I didn't want to be on a list. The Lord, but I knew in my heart, you know, even though I said it, I knew in my heart, you know, someday, unfortunately, I'm going to be on a list. And I, I didn't know how not to be on a list. There was really no way technically to not be on a list other than leave the church, right? And that wasn't an option because the Lord didn't let me leave the church. And so, uh, but eventually I got on a list, right? And this is one of the times I got on a list. So he asked me to look at the books of the church. And, 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 um, and so sure enough, you know, there's this $1,000 uh, unmarked expense every month. Random, just exactly $1,000 every month. Everything else looked fine, but that is just really weird. It's like, you know, and it didn't say where it was going. It just said stuff, right, or whatever it was. And I thought, okay, that's odd. When you don't tell me what it is that, that just, you know, I was talking to Sue. Of course, she's a, an accountant, right, Miss Sue. 
Uh, she's an accountant and, 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 and stuff like that. She just can smell that from 100 yards away. Well, I'm not an accountant, you know, but I can read. And so I, I set up a meeting. It was me and it was the pastor, the pastor's wife, and the secretary, the four of us in a meeting. And I said, well, uh, you asked me to look at the books. Everything looks fine except for this one thing. I said, I, I don't know what this one thing is. And the secretary, she was super protective of the pastor, you know. She's... <laughs> Uh, and, um, you know, now, see, I don't know, because I'm just asking a question. What, what is this $1,000 a month expense, right? Uh, and, and she said, well, uh, we're, we're paying uh, the pastor's medical bills because he was on, uh, he'd been diagnosed with uh, some uh, liver problems. And um, so he's on this high-powered, expensive medication, right? After, after uh, insurance, it was $1,000 a month. Uh, and so, uh, well, we're paying that. And then he's paying us back. And I said, well, okay. I said, but do we have any paperwork for that? Because, you know, as a, as a legal corporation, which we were, you're, you're required by law to have paperwork, right? To, to show that if, if something un, unusual is going on, there should be, you know, approvals, you know, board approvals and things like that. I mean, it's, it's the legal, if you're going to, set up as a legal corporation, and even though we're not a 501c3 here, we're still legally obligated to have, they call it fiduciary responsibility, that, that this whole thing can't be about money to me, right? If this whole thing here, this ministry is about money in my pocket, then it's not really a church, right? Uh, and so, uh, because that's part of how you define a church. And, and so, so we're still obligated to follow the, the law here, right? We're not, uh, and that's another whole discussion about the other thing, but, uh, and so, I said, well, we really can't do that, right? Uh, you know, we can't just, uh, you know, the, the church's checking account is not the pastor's checking account, right? He can't just take money and, and give money. You know, you can't just do that, right? You have to have paperwork and, a, you know. And uh, he said, well, so what should we do? I said, well, I mean, we got lots of things we could do. I said, one thing we could do is just to make it clean is we could just give you a raise, right? And that, that would cover that much money. And so you're not, you know, then it's just you, your checking account at all. It doesn't have anything to do with the church because it was just his, his private medical thing. It had nothing to do with the church, right? Uh, and, and I said, well, we could just give you a raise. That'd be an easy way to do it, right? Uh, and then, um, I mean, that's one option. I mean, you know, there's several things we could do. We could get the board together and sign something that says, you know, you can do something like that. Although I said that doesn't look good because it looks like you're laundering money, right? It looks like you're, you know, your church is your, your bank account, you know, your, and... And I said, it just looks bad, right? It just, and it did, right? I mean, it just, I mean, you're welcome. Look at the books here and you won't see, you know, strange check to Pastor Chip every month other than what, what, we, what you know, right? It was, I, get, I get my, my income that I get from the church, you know, that's, that's documented, it's in there, right? And we go over that every year. And if you want it right now, you know, I'll give you a hundred pages of printouts from all the way back to 2008. You can see every penny we've ever spent in a church. Uh, and so, um, and he said, well, do I have to pay that back? Because it was like $12,000. I said, well, according to what you said, you've been paying it back, right? So now I don't know if they hadn't been paying it back. and just said they were, but, you know, I, did, I couldn't, I didn't reconcile it. Well, okay, you took $1,000 here, you put back $1,000 there, right? I, so I didn't, because I, I couldn't reconcile that part of it. So I just knew they were taking the $1,000 out here. I said, well, if, if you've already been paying it, then, then no, we'll just go forward from here, right? We can't change what happened. You just go forward from here. Now, about halfway through the meeting, I thought, this isn't going good. You know, this, 
they're not hooking up with, with me here, you know. Uh, you know, they ask my opinion, and I'm giving my opinion, and, and I'm not saying, you know, you're all a bunch of crooks and thieves and liars and cheats, and, you know, we're going to take you to the IRS and take you to the police office, you know I mean? I didn't threaten, there was no threats. It was just, you know, you asked me, and here's what's going on, right? So, you know, uh, we shouldn't be, you know, taking money that, that there's no paper trail. This is where it came from, where it's going, or anything like that. That's, you know, that's, that's legal, it's appropriate, and, and, you know. But it's not going good. And so... <laughs> I left the meeting, I'm thinking, that did not go well at all, you know, and I could just hear, I mean, just the tension was rising, and the reason it was rising was because I dared to say that there was something wrong in the church, but who asked me to do this? The pastor came to me and asked me to do this, right? So it wasn't like I was just like, hey, what's going on? You guys do anything wrong? I need to, I want to check everything out, you know, give me your books. None of my business, right? You know, that's between them and the Lord Jesus, but they asked me, and so I just, and when they asked me, I thought, I don't want to do this, because landmines, right? I mean, I've been there long enough. I knew there's landmines everywhere in this in this church, you know. And so, you know, it just uh, well. Then the war was on. Before that, I was getting the books every month from the church. They'd emailed me the books. You know, here's the books. Here's what we spent last month. You know, I got cut off. Right, I got cut off from being on the on the uh, on the leaderboard. You know, on the spiritual leaderboard, whatever. And uh, uh, and they, I got. Uh, Stop being asked to go on trips, right? Because before that, Pastor, hey, I'm going on a trip. You want to go with me? Yeah, sure. I'd be glad to go, you know. Uh, and, um, you know, I mean, I was, I was uh, persona non grata, right? Which is just a fancy word for saying I was on the list. Uh, and, and for years, you know. And then, and then someone came up to me and said, uh, the uh, pastor said that uh, he wanted to tell you that he paid all that money back. He paid all the $12,000 back. And I'm thinking... Because you told, you told, I told you what I told them, right? Well, you don't have to pay it back. And that's what I told them. Now, you weren't there, but I was there. The Lord Jesus was there. And you ask him, he'll tell you. That's what I said, right? Now, the other three witnesses, they wouldn't tell you that because, well, actually, two of them are gone, right? Two of them are dead, you know? There's only one left, and I'm not sure that I even remember that. But, uh, uh, and so, uh, so he said he paid it back. And I'm thinking, well, that was dumb. Why would you pay all that money back if you don't have to, right? Because there was no accusation there. It was... It was, what, it was what it was, and I, and I said, let's move on, right? Uh, and, and, but that day started a war with my pastor that I didn't start, that he started it, and for years, so mean to me. You know, that, all those stories I told you about, you know, him calling me out publicly, it was because of that, that moment right there in that office when that occurred in that moment. And, and, and I never really, th- I mean, he started getting meaner and mean to me all those years, and I never really thought about it. It was that moment. Right now, looking back, I realized that's when it was, but that moment. And so all of that other persecution that I suffered under his ministry occurred because of that moment. And but I didn't tell him to pay that money back. Right. I didn't tell. And I told him not to do it. And like five years later, we had a it was we were in a meeting. It was a praise and worship meeting. Uh, and now this is five years. Right. This is not a minute ago. This is five years. Right. And, and look, all of the pastor's finances, all of his ray, uh, you know, all of his income, his salary and stuff, I set it all up. Uh, I made sure that he had a good, for the size of the church, he had a good, comfortable living and got a bonus every quarter, every three months, he'd get a special check from the church, automatically from the church. That was beyond special offerings and birthdays and Christmas, you know, the, the church would receive a special, but automatically, uh, and, then it, and then automatically every year he'd get a raise, you know, like a, you know, two, three percent raise, whatever it was. And then we would, you know, and I said, we'll, we'll look at it as the church grows and 
and adjust it as necessary, right? And make it, you know, because we want to, I want to be a blessing to my pastor. And, and I said, it's all in my, I still got the paper. You know what the paper, I got it in my office right there, right? And I look it up. It's still, I mean, I wrote it. And here's, here's the deal. So it wasn't like I was trying to take money from it. I wanted my pastor to be blessed financially. Uh, and um, anything I could do to, to make sure that he was living a comfortable, and he did. He had a nice house, nice car. You know, I mean, uh, he had a, a brand new motorcycle anytime he wanted one. He was he had the comfortable living, right? And his wife didn't work, you know, and so he was able to do all that on a pastor's salary. And so it wasn't like we were trying to keep him poor. Well, five years later, in a, in a praise and worship practice, he's just screaming at me, you know, mad about something, you know. And he said, you cost me $12,000. And when he said that, I knew that's it right there. That is all the suffering I've gone through for all these years was because of that moment five years ago, five years ago that he hasn't forgiven me. It, now, did I even do anything wrong? I didn't even do anything wrong. You know, I don't even know why he's mad at me. I, he did something I didn't even tell him to do. Uh, in fact, when they told me that, I went up to him that, that service. He said, uh, so-and-so said you paid that money back. Yeah. Okay. I just want to confirm that you paid it back. And I'm like, well, now, I didn't say anything about it, you know, because I'm not in my bid, not, not in my business at all, right? You cost me $12,000. So we're going to do, right? Well, in, in a moment, the Spirit of God said, tell him you'll pay that back. I said, okay, I'll pay that back. And he's like, I mean, what, what does he do, right? Uh, I mean, he didn't know how to respond. Because I'll pay you back. Uh, and now my wife was sitting there next to me. You know, I didn't ask her, you know, the Spirit of God, you know, just prompt me to say, I'll, I'll pay it back, right? Uh, and so I went home. My wife and I talked about it. And... Um, and we had to come up with $12,000, right? Now, I didn't have $12,000 just running around in a pocket anywhere, you know? And so I had to, you know, uh, bro uh, Brother Randy always said I had to uh, kill Peter to pay Paul, right? And so <laughs> I didn't have to kill anybody, but, you know, I had to move a bunch of stuff around and, and uh, uh, figure out a way to get $12,000, you know? But I got it. And, and uh, I set up a meeting with him and, and um, brought him a check. Me and my wife sat in his office and said, here, you know, the Lord told us to give this money to you. We're going to give this money to you. Now, did I owe him the money? I didn't owe him the money. But if the Spirit of God says to do it, what are you going to do? You're going to do it, right? I don't, I mean, if the Lord said to write a $100,000 check today, I, I mean, I'd do it. I mean, it wouldn't even blink, you know. If I had $100,000 to, you know, to write a check, I'd be glad to do it, right? If the Lord, and if he said go find $100,000, I'd go find it somewhere, right? Uh, and so I probably could sell my dog for $100,000. He's a great dog, right? I bet I could sell him for a lot of money. Uh, and so, but see, here's the thing. He was mad at me for five years, uh, and uh, it takes no account of an evil done to it, pays no attention to a suffered wrong. So, see, I, when he said that, it was, it was brand new information to me. I didn't know, because, see, I wasn't mad at him. Well, he, didn't, you know, he paid that back. I didn't tell him to pay it back. I hadn't thought twice about it in the five years that he said something about it, you know, uh, in that moment. Uh, and, uh, and so we went to his office. Gave him the check, and I, and I thought, he's just going to rip this check up, you know. And that rascal cashed the check, you know. To me, to this, to this day, I mean, that's been, that's been 15, 16, 17, probably 18, probably maybe. It's been close to 20 years, 20 years ago. To this day, I think, I can't believe he cashed that check. Now, I'm not mad about it, but I still can't believe he did it, you know. <laughs> so, uh, but within three weeks, uh, I got a bonus check at work. You know how much the bonus check was for? $12,600, right? Uh, and, and it took him five years to browbeat me 
you know, to get that money back from me because I didn't owe him anyway, but the Lord provided, you know, and I went I, and I told him, I was kind of excited about, it. hey, the Lord just gave me $12,000, you know, and you just hear the, you know, because he wanted me to suffer, right, for being so terrible that, you know, I told him what I thought, you know, and, uh, uh, but see, um, in, in those moments, I got to learn a lot, right? Now, you're not required to suffer like that to learn how to do any of this stuff, right? You can learn from my experience, right? Well, note to self, you know, always do what you're told and believe the Lord that he'll take care of it from there, right? Uh, and so, now, my problem with my pastor is he did not do this part, right? He held that account against me for five years. And it wasn't even an account that was justifiable. Right? I did not tell him to do that. Uh, and he held that in his heart. Uh, and the more that I would not respond to his unkindness and beg his forgiveness for telling that, because I never, I never knew why he was being unkind to me. I never knew why he was persecuting me. And it was because of that moment. And so it never dawned on me. Uh, and maybe it's just because I'm naive and just, just I, everybody loves me, right? And, and nobody holds anything against me, right? Uh, and I'm going to live that way. I'm going to assume that all of you will love me. None of you holding anything against me, right? And if you are, you're going to have to tell me because I don't know, right? And, and he did. He told me five years later, really, you're holding it against me, you know? Uh, and, and so, uh, and it didn't, it, didn't, it didn't work out for him, right? I mean, he died young, and, and not because of that instant, but I think it was that plus many other things that, that he left this early, that he left this earth way too early because of situations like that. Because if you hold on forgiveness in your heart, it's one of the worst things. It's worse than cancer. It's worse than brain disease. It's one of the worst things you can ever do is hold unforgiveness in your heart. And this lie about I'm working on it, don't ever say stupid things like that. You say, I have forgiven them, and it's over. And if you're going to tell your brain every day that you've forgiven them and it's over, you tell your brain every day that you've forgiven them and it's over. And you go to the Lord and say, Lord, I choose to forgive them as an act of my will. I choose to hold no account of any wrong suffered against me. I choose to do that. And if your feelings uh, don't line up with that, uh, you just keep on doing uh, your faith, and eventually your feelings will line up with your faith. Uh, uh, and, uh, and I've learned that over the years, right? It's a great uh, lesson to learn. Uh, and my, my pastor did not pass that particular test in that situation. And I don't say that to run him down. I don't say that, I say that as, a, as, you know, as, a, as a case study in don't do that, right? Uh, we're going to be persecuted uh, uh, and, of course, Peter talked about being persecuted for righteousness' sake. Uh, and Paul talked about being persecuted for godliness' sake. Uh, I mean, it's tough enough when you get persecuted for doing right. You know, it's worse, when you're, uh, it's worse when you're being persecuted for something you've done wrong. It's even worse when you get persecuted for something you never even did. Uh, and I experienced much of that with my pastor, persecuted, because all those years I was persecuted was because of something that I didn't even do. Uh, but do I sound mad about it? It's still, I mean, it's still, it's just, I can't believe he cashed a check. I mean, wow, you know, can you believe that? I mean, because if it was me, he'd be like, I'd have just, I'd have made it so dramatic. I'd be like, I mean, you rip that check right, right in front of you. I'm going to rip that check right in front of you, you know, just show you that I've forgiven you. I mean, it's five years. He didn't need that $12,000. Uh, and, and, uh, and, you know, just as a footnote to that story, you know, I would tell people later on, you know, for a season after that, uh, I said, you know, he said that I owed him $12,000. Now he owes me $12,000. And I said that one time, and uh, I think from the pulpit even. Uh, and, and when I got home, the Lord just rebuked me. Don't you ever say that he owes you that money. He said, I paid you back. Yes, sir. He did, didn't he, right? He paid me back. So nobody owes anybody any money, right? I mean, 
I guess he owes the Lord if you want to look at it that way, but the Lord's forgiven him of, the, of that debt, you know, and so nobody owes anybody any money. We're all good, right? So don't even be mad about it, right? And so, and the Lord's paid me over many times since then. So, uh, so I'm going to do that. I'm going to walk in love. I'm going to hold no account of an evil done to it when people persecute me, uh, when, they, uh, when I suffer for his sake, and I will. Lord, hold no account of anything they've done to me. None. Zero. I'm asking you, Lord, to not do that on my, on my behalf because I'm asking you. I know you'll do that. I know you will wipe their slate clean only because I ask you. And I know he will. Uh, and, and, and you've got to get to a point in your heart where you want him to do that.